Um, I am delighted and humbled to, to be with you this evening. Um, and I'm just so good to celebrate these milestones together. Rob has been a, a dear friend. And if you don't know Rob, Rob has a story for everything. Um, he has lived more life than anybody I know, right? And so he has shoved like two lifetimes worth of stories and experiences. Um, and so he has always had an encouraging story, a funny story, a helpful story um, from his own life and been very open and vulnerable. And so, um, as he said earlier, it's grateful to have friends. It's good to have friends, um, and especially those who, who lead, um, especially brothers in particular, it's good to have friends. And so I'm honored to be with, um, by extension, you all, my, my friends at Hope Church. Um, today I'm jumping in the middle of this Advent series, uh, The King is Here. And so if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're just going to start with one verse, and we're going to build from, from there. We're going to start in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Um, and as you're turning there, I really have a, a simple message for you today. It's something that you may know, um, but hopefully by the end of our time today, you will feel it differently. You will feel it differently. I'm going to start reading in verses 27. I'm going to read all the way down to 32. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. Then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining at the table with them. But the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor but those who are sick. I have come to, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Today, I want us to converse for just a few minutes on the topic of the kingdom has come for you too. The kingdom has come for you too. Would you pray with me? Father, God, we have these precious few moments here to be seen by your word, to be exposed by your spirit, and to be transformed, God, into your image. And so, God, would you do what I am unable to do? Would you speak now through the power of your word, convicting, challenging, comforting, and changing? God, our ears are open, our hearts are soft, our hands are ready. Would you speak now so that we may be your people, so that we will reflect your glory and then may we walk in the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ. God, would you be so kind as to do that in our time together today? In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen and amen. I don't think this is a controversial statement, and maybe you'll agree with me, but uh, high school was a weird time, wasn't it? Right? Um, I know that kind of surprised some people. Let me, let me give you a second to settle in. Uh, for some of us, high school was a, a lifetime ago. For some of us, it's right here. For others, it's in front of us. And yet, um, I was thinking about my high school time recently, and it was just weird. I don't know if you've just sat and thought about that moment of time, those four weird years of awkwardness growing up. Um, but I went to high school locally here, and it was like almost like a TV show 
where you would walk down the halls during lunch and you would see the, the goth kids on one kid. Do they still have goth kids? That's still a thing, right? Okay, that's still a thing, cool. Um, but at high school, it was like the, the guys who were dressed in all black with like mascara on and black lipstick and it was like that was their thing. Um, and then you walk further down the hall and there'd be like the Letterman jacket dudes, right? The athletes, right? Who were just, just so proud of all they have accomplished in, you know, 12, you know, 12th grade, right? Um, and so and then you go a little bit further and at my uh, high school, there was like the kids in the lunchroom, like always like thinking that they're going to be rappers. They're like beating, making beats on the lunch table. Was anybody that kid? No? All right. Sorry. Different crowd. Uh, so there was a... There was the kids, you know, beating on the tables, making beats and having fun. And, and they were just folks just trying to survive. Like, they're just like keeping their head down. Like, I'm just, I'm just here to do my time and get out, right? <laughs> um, and we just lived in these weird little pockets, didn't we? Um, and then you graduated and maybe you went to college, maybe you went to school, maybe you did uh, the military thing or whatever you did. But and somehow those pockets seemed to persist, didn't they? Well, you kind of find yourself in one group of people, and maybe you were happy with that group, or maybe like many of us, we always felt we were on the outside looking in of something. There's a term that's been popularized recently, maybe you've heard it, FOMO. Y'all heard that term before? This idea of people living in this perpetual state of the fear of missing out. That whatever I'm experiencing can't be as good as what whatever those people are going through. And so often we live as if whatever good is happening in this world, I'm just relegated to look at other people having it. And as the time goes on, as we mature and we maybe settle into our roots and settle into our identity, there always seems to be this nagging reality of the spaces I'm in maybe weren't made for me. Always feeling like a little bit like a guest. Maybe you feel that way even now when it comes to church and religion and this whole Christianity thing, maybe you feel like you're kind of on the outside looking in. You don't know the authors that they quote or the Bible passages they references, or you don't know the Christian lingo. You don't know to say fellowship instead of hanging out. You know, Christians have their own words for stuff, right? <laughs> Nobody uses the word fellowship outside of Christianity, right? We just say hanging out. Like, now we have a men's fellowship. What's that? Oh, men are just hanging out. Oh, okay, cool. Right? Maybe you don't know all the right words, and maybe your prayers don't sound as rehearsed and as eloquent and as biblical as everyone else's, and you feel like, man, I'm back in high school all over again, sitting here looking at others live a life that maybe I can never have. And unfortunately, the church has a way of reinforcing those ideals. I'll never forget, I, was, I didn't grow up around, uh, I grew up around church, but I didn't grow up in church, and so when I got saved, all I knew about Christianity was everything that I did on Tuesday, I can't do on Wednesday. That's all I knew, is my life was completely the opposite of every sermon I've ever heard, and so I should just stop. I didn't know what to do, I just knew all the things not to do, and so I didn't know the books of the Bible or the, the Pipers and all these Kellers, and I didn't, know Spur I didn't know any of that stuff, and so I just didn't know what to do, and so I was hungry to learn and grow. And I went to anything and everything that people told me to do. You should read this study. I said, okay, great. You should come to this fellowship. I said, okay, great. And I just did everything. And I remember I was part of this uh, men's fellowship early on in my Christianity. And this was probably one of the most shaping moments of my Christian life. And spoiler alert, it's not a good story. So I'm young in the faith, and I was, uh, they told me that I should be in a men's fellowship because I'm a man, and that's what men, that's what men do. They fellowship. So I said, okay, great. I'll go do this thing. And it was really good. I learned more about the Bible and about what it means to be a good, a good father and a good husband and a good man. I, it was really helpful. And I remember one time the, the leader of the group says, hey, we're going to do something a little bit different when we gather this time. Um, we're going to spend some time praying for one another. 
And so we're going to go in a circle, and when it's your turn, you just confess whatever sins may be just really heavy on your heart. Confess whatever things might be just those things that you're holding back that you maybe have never shared, and we're not going to say anything. We're just going to pray for one another. As a new Christian, I remember reading something in the Bible about confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed, right? Not forgiven, because only God can forgive sins, but healing can oftentimes come through confession in healthy Christian community. And so I was like, man, this sounds great. Sign me up. Uh, it would be <laughs> an interesting day. And so I showed up to the meeting, and I did not go first. I went second. And I remember hearing the guy going before me, he was just kind of confessing some of his sins. And, you know, it was all the good, the good Christian sins. Like, God, I prayed for four hours, not five. And, you know, I only read one book of the Bible this morning and not two. And, I, you know, I saw the homeless guy and I only gave him, you know, everything I had instead of writing him a check. Like, it was all these like, you know, like, oh, man, he's, he's doing really good. Like, I, I, don't e- I don't even know, right? I'm just encouraged by this brother who is living this extraordinary Christian life. I'm like, man, I'm in a group with him. How exciting. He's going to be able to help me. And then my turn came along. And I didn't, knew the, I didn't know the rules of church. I didn't know the rules sometimes that's unspoken at church that you're not supposed to be honest. I didn't know that you're supposed to pretend that you're in better shape than you are. And so I followed the instructions. And I shared. I'll spare you the gory details. Uh, but I'm just sharing, right? Um, because once again, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a, fresh, uh, a fresh convert to Christianity, and I don't know about you, but um, I had some things that didn't die when I came alive in Jesus. Like, I was expecting all those things to just go away. And I woke up in Jesus, and those things were still there. And so I was excited to be able to share those things to unburden, because I was like, maybe this will help me to be free. And you ever, like, been praying, and parents, you might know this, you just feel like something's amiss around you. And I'm praying, eyes closed, crying already, snot dripping. And I peek an eye open because I just feel the weight of eyeballs on me. And sure enough, the entire group is just sitting there staring like, what are you doing? Now, funny story, I can, I can laugh at it later. But I learned an important lesson that day that's not a true lesson. The lesson I learned that day was at church, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. And then I felt that otherness that says Christianity is primarily for decent people who just want to be a little bit better. Christianity is primarily for decent people who just want to be a little better. And so if you were like me, a genuine believer of Jesus Christ, a believer, a genuine recipient of the good news of Jesus Christ, and yet still carried a body of death and decay, you didn't feel like this place was for you. So the question I began to wrestle with, which brings us back to our our text today, is who is the gospel for? Did you know that was one of the biggest questions in the early church? You see, for for me, it was those who were decent but needed to be improved upon a little bit. But for the early disciples, it was the Jew and Gentile divide. You may know this passage of Scripture, 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 and 5 is really the the meat of the text. But I'm going to read a little bit more for context here. You can just listen. As for you, this is the Lord 
talking to Solomon after he had finished building the temple. As for you, if you walk before me as your father did with a heart of integrity and what is right, doing everything I have commanded you, if you keep my statutes and ordinances, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised your father David, you will never fail to have a son on the throne of Israel. Did you know that this is one of the great messianic prophecies that the Jews held on to and still hold on to to this day? That the kingdom of Israel will be restored. You see, they thought Jesus was coming for the Jews. They thought this good news of freedom and liberation was from Roman occupation. And even after three years of walking with Jesus, living with Jesus, sleeping next to Jesus, hearing Jesus teach and preach, raise men and women and children from the dead, feed 5,000 men alone twice, Even after all of that, you know, they still believed that Jesus' primary mission was to restore the nation of Israel. Let me prove it to you. Acts chapter 1. This is, let me put this in the timeline of Christianity here. Jesus had been crucified. He had been in the grave for three days. He had risen back to life and spent several more weeks with his disciples. They were just seeing this resurrected Jesus among them. And this is right before he ascends into the clouds. And in this moment, the disciples ask him, verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? You see, they, they, they heard Peter's story with the Gentiles. They heard this Paul guy starting to rumble it, it around. But they still believed the good news was for the Jews. Now, our exclusion of those who are in and outside of the gospel may not be based on ethnicity, but it probably is based on worth. You see, the sad reality is we believe the good news is good for everybody else. Can I talk to the Christians for just a second? I know there's a handful of y'all in here. Is that all right? <coughs> what would your friends say to you if they heard what you say to you when you mess up? If your friends heard the way that you talked about yourself to yourself when you're struggling, what would they say? They'd be shocked, wouldn't they? They'd be shocked because that's not the way you talk to them when they're struggling. When you are struggling with your sin, when others are struggling around you. Can I get some water? Thank you. He was so enthralled in the word. (coughs) The reality is we think the good news... It is good for everybody else. When your friend comes to you struggling in sin, you're going to treat them with love and grace. You're going to have a, a word of encouragement, a prayer for them. You're going to have a warm and gentle embrace. But it's when it's your sin, is that how you treat yourself? You see, the reality is we think the good news is good for everybody else. But us, we got to figure it out. we got to just do better. We've got to hide it and cover it up, lest anybody know, because we're, our name is on a, a list to serve somewhere. 
And the reality is the good news is good news for you too, family. We just don't believe it, even though we know it. Even though we would share it liberally if anyone had a need. When it comes to us, though, we feel like we got saved by grace. We're going to finish this whole faith thing by work, by being better. And the reality is if you're sitting here and you feel like an outsider to this whole Christian faith, do you realize that that's who Jesus came for? Luke 19, talking to a man named Zacchaeus, a notorious sinner, tax collector, invited Jesus to his home, was radically transformed and saved. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Do you believe that? I know you've heard it before, probably. That the Son of Man, Jesus, came looking for the lost to save. So in the moment where you felt unworthy, unloved, unforgivable, you thereby qualified for redemption. In the moment that you felt that you've gone too far and messed up too often, Those were your very qualifications for the Son of Man seeking and saving you. You see, the church, maybe not our church experiences, but the church is not one of groups of goth kids and jocks and everybody else. There's just one united family where we're all equal because we are all here by the blood of the Lamb. No one got the advanced course. No one is ahead of anyone other. All of us, although our sins may be different, all of us are in equal need of the blood of the Lamb that was slain for us. And so whether you were saved when you were seven or you were 47 still figuring out, it doesn't matter. There's one gospel for us all. There's one testimony. Whether it was a rehab house or an Advent reading with your godly Christian parents. It doesn't matter. We all have the same testimonies. I was lost in my sin, and Jesus found me, came and got me, and is now going to carry me home to see him one day. We don't begin in the Spirit and finish in work. We begin in faith, and we will live every single day by faith. I know you heard it. I know you hear it, but do you believe it? Here's how you know you'll believe it. What do you do with you after you sin? When you mess up, what do you do with you? Do you run to the cross? Do you run to Christian community? Do you run back to the Word? Do you run back to prayer? Or do you hide from God and from others? Imitating Adam and Eve in the garden all over again. Oh, Adam, where are you? Do you feel like you got to work it off, give a little bit more, serve a little bit more often? i got to somehow add my work to God's forgiveness for me to feel like I participated in my own salvation. You see, that's a trap. Because one day you'll cross the line that you don't think you'll cross, and you'll know in that moment that there's nothing you can do to make up for that. 
And if your salvation was based upon your participation with God, God does his part and I do my part, you're going to eventually get to a point where your part will never be enough and you will realize that you need the good news that Jesus alone saves. And maybe then it'll be good news for you again. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ isn't just the way to heaven. It's the way to hope. It's the way of peace. It's the thing that believers you should live in every single day of your life because it is the thing that we all need. Not just to share with somebody else, but to share with yourself. When's the last time you shared the gospel with you? Can you think about the last time that you shared the good news of Jesus Christ to you? Maybe that's part of our problem. Maybe that's part of the reason why we have to be reminded so often because it's so easy to forget that the kingdom has come for you too. Let me give you a couple things and then I'm going to get out your way. If you feel like you're on the outside looking in, if you feel like you will never measure up, if you feel like I've gone too far, I've done too much, I won't ever be like the people who seem to fit in so nicely, good. You have qualified yourself for a Savior. You have qualified yourself for Jesus, the Son of Man, to seek you, to find you, and to save you, and to keep saving you until you see him face to face. That's the good news, family, and that is really good news that you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work alongside. All you have to do is believe it, receive it, worship because of it, and share it because it's so good. If you don't know who Jesus is today, all the things that you think disqualifies you actually qualifies you to be part of this family. All the things that you have been excluded for, now make you a part of us. And maybe you've had a bad church experience where you tried to be honest and it didn't work. You've tried to be vulnerable and it didn't work. Well, I can say with great confidence that this place will be different. This place will be different. Give it a try. Give God's saving work in your life a try. You've tried everything else. You know this world isn't making you any happier. You've tried everything the world's been selling. I promise you the good news of Jesus Christ can satisfy in deeper and more holistic ways than you can ever imagine. And for the believers, that's true for you too. I know you love Jesus. I know you got your Bible reading plan for 2023 already ready, right? I know you got your, your prayer list. I know you got all the things that you are doing which is so good. It's part of the spiritual disciplines that shape us and form us and ground us. But man, and put into that rotation, preaching the gospel to you. Remind yourself of not just how to be a better Christian, but how to be a son and daughter that's loved, that's known, that's seen, and still loved. And your heart will forget. That's why we have to remind ourselves of the gospel often. Let me just end with one last encouragement for us all. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, and he is still in that business. He is still in that business. 
Don't ever get to a place in your faith where you feel like you have gone too far and silence is your only option. There is nothing that you can do that could exclude you from the grace and love of God. There's no place you could go where the grace and mercy of the Lord won't find you and won't rescue you. Preacher once said, if you could lose your salvation, everyone would. Everyone would. But because we don't save us, he does, we can be confident of his work, even if we are less confident of ours. That's why we call it good news, y'all. That's why we call it good news. Let me pray for us. Father, God, I pray right now that you would just flood our hearts with your presence and your power. God, that you would help our heart to hear what our minds are hearing now. You would help ground our emotions, our identity, in who you say that we are, not the things that we have done. Father, I pray for the believers that we would be people who preach the gospel to ourselves and to one another regularly. And God, I pray for anyone in this place that is still wondering, is there a place for me? God, would they hear your voice say, come home now? We love you, Father, because you first loved us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, and all God's people said, amen and amen.